Welcome, everybody, to the House of Hustle podcast here on Sports Radio at 810. We are presented by Charlie Hustle. Another podcast coming at you because we get closer and closer to March, March Madness, right around the corner. It's my great honor to welcome in my co-host, Stephen St. John. Stephen, what's up? Uh, and that, of course, is Jarrett Sutton, former Mizzou Tiger and current uh, NBA scout with the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm doing great. And we are, uh, sadly, football season's over, although it's never really over. Uh, and uh, We got a ring out of it. We got yeah, a ring out of exactly it. That's exactly right. And thankfully, uh, college basketball right now uh, is there to save us, uh, for us to fall back on. But it's getting very exciting as we march towards madness and get ready for the Big 12 tournament and the SEC tournament. And then, of course, this year the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight will be at uh, T-Mobile Center here in Kansas City. So lots of exciting basketball action coming up. And, of course, I love the NAIA tournament. Uh, that's in Kansas City at uh, Municipal Auditorium. And so if you love college basketball, there's plenty of options for you coming up here in the Midwest and in the Kansas City area. But we'd had this uh, discussion briefly on the Border Patrol, and I thought we could go more in-depth on this episode of House of Hustle because I do think it's interesting. You had that perspective of being a huge college basketball fan that played at Mizzou that follows all the local schools, but also it's your job as an NBA scout for the New Orleans Pelicans to evaluate these players. And I know um, a lot of fans like to talk about, okay, how, how many NBA players are on the floor? How many NBA prospects does this team have? So I thought maybe we'd go through uh, the local schools and get your thoughts about how many NBA players or possible NBA prospects uh, each of the teams have. So let's just start with uh, a team that's, boy, they look like they have a real chance of defending their national championship. Kansas is red hot right now. Uh, and so uh, Grady Dick, we've looked at a couple of recent mock drafts. I've seen him going in the top 10. So clearly he's a lottery pick. Jalen Wilson, there's uh, opinions all over the board. But let's start with Kansas. Uh, let's go through the uh, players that you view as either current NBA prospects or guys that have the upside of playing their way into uh, being an NBA draft pick. Yeah, so I think this is a, it's a great story because we're talking about Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick. One is a you know returner that's been at Kansas for several years uh, that has won a national championship. The other one is a true freshman, McDonald's All-American, and Grady Dick. I think both these guys are, are obviously first-round talents. Um, I think it depends, obviously, what team you, you talk to, but I think Jalen is, as uh, we'll start there, I think Jalen's totally helped himself um, this year in terms of how he's played. He's played at a consistent level for much of the year. He shot it well. He's increased his three-point percentage from last year. We're really last year, you know, it was a tough season in general in terms of just Jalen getting off the ground, really didn't have much of a non-conference, um, eased his way back, started earning his minutes back, got into more of a role for that national championship team last year. But in terms of his numbers, it, it weren't great, but – Went through the, the combine process, had a great combine in Chicago last year. Um, obviously, all his intangible traits in terms of, you know, his motor, his competitiveness, great teammate, great leader, mentally tough, physically tough. Um, I think there's a basketball IQ and an awareness of, you know, playing both ends of the floor that you got to have to play for Coach Self in general. But um, in terms of embracing a role, you know, J I think Jalen is aware of what he'd be at the next level, and he's played to that. Now, obviously, when you're in college and you're the guy and you're the number one option, very similar to Ochag Baji a year ago. Uh, you really got to be a guy that is ultra aggressive um, in terms of looking for your shot. Coach Self is giving him the green light to be himself. Um, 
You know, I think Jalen's developed a really good mid-range game that he's gotten to more of this year. Um, downhill, Jalen is a very much a tough straight-line driver. But the rebounding, you know, there's Jalen's had a couple games where he hasn't scored it, um, you know, in league players. Outside of that, he's played a pretty high level in terms of scoring the ball. But when he doesn't score the ball, what is he doing? And he's impacting the game still in a lot of ways, defensively rebounding the ball, um, just doing the little things that help his team get over the hump. Um, and I think that's what Jalen's going to have to be at the next level. He's 6'8", uh, great strength. Um, his physicality really blends well in terms of translating. He's had to show he could shoot the ball at a consistent level in terms of catch and shoot. Uh, he's shooting it a little bit better off the dribble as well. He does have some some ten, tendency to be a little streaky in terms of the shot making. Um, you know, he knows about going left improvements he's got to make in those areas. But in terms of plug and play, jumping into a role, you want to find guys with his size, his his level of of strength and length. Um, but his ability his ability to embrace and accept a role and do the little things. So I think Jalen Wilson is in this conversation. Grady Dick is a different talent in terms of his ability to shoot the ball. Um, you know, legit 6'8", maybe 6'9", even, good length. Um, shot IQ is very high. Uh, he's a guy that understands cutting and moving without the ball. He's got one of the quickest releases in college basketball. Who's an NBA comp for him? You know, it's tough. I, I think um, you never want to put a guy in a box in terms of, of, of comps, but um, Duncan Robinson's going to be the first name that jumps out. Um, you know, I think some guys would view him as could he be potentially, when, when you're talking about, you know, a player in high school, um, translation, trans, translating to being a freshman in college like we had to do with Grady a year ago. It's only been one season, right? And he's done so much that is there more out there for Grady Dick in terms of his development? You don't want to keep him in a box. You know, there's probably more out there. Uh, could he be a Gordon Hayward? You know, that's probably like a max extreme comp. I don't know if he could be that. But um, you start to ask yourself, like, could he be more than just a shooter? Could he be more off the dribble? He's showing more of a mid-range pull-up game. Uh, he's got to get a little bit better going to the rim uh, in terms of finishing and, and taking the ball off the bounce. He's more straight line drive, um, but he's showing more as a cutter uh, and doing, you know, K Kevin Herter is another name that, uh, you know, guy that came out of Maryland that was very similar in terms of his, he was such, so, so known for his shooting and size, uh, had a great intelligence of shot selection, which I think Grady has a great, does a great job with great off screens. Grady's done really well coming off screens. Um, you know, everything in terms of his one-two gather uh, is really good because he's, he's quick with his shot, and he's got extended range. Defensively is where Grady Dick um, probably had question marks coming into this season. He's gotten so much better throughout the year. His motor, his engagement, um, his, his really, like, offside, weak side help uh, in terms of seeing things off the ball defensively has been better and better. He's more active. Uh, he's got quick hands. He can get in passing lanes. You know, if he's not coming up, coming up with a rebound, he's involved in the rebound. He's trying to get, you know, his hands on balls. That's that's really um, intriguing for me in terms of just the motor. He competes. He never takes a possession off. Doesn't matter if he's making shots and scoring or not. He's going to defend. He's going to do his job. And for a freshman to be that committed, uh, that willing to impact winning in all those different ways, that's what's really impressive about Grady and why I think he's growing. And he's a and he's much better athlete than people give him credit. His verticality is very good laterally there were some question marks but that's that to me has gotten better um you're not asking him to be a stopper either you know there's elite stoppers at the next level you're just asking him to be service serviceable as a defender um and not be a liability and i think grady's starting to show that and for a young kid that's been really good if you look at the rest of the roster though kevin mcculler is going to be a name that people talk about um you know i don't think he's taken the steps forward offensively that you probably want to see but uh, in terms of his defensive ability, my gosh, he's, he's always been that. He was that way at Texas Tech. Uh, he's rebounded the ball at a really high level, and he's still 
you know, impactful, I think, in, in you know, a limited role um, that you could see some things. Maybe, you know, he's a G League guy. We'll, we'll see what happens with his draft process. We'll probably get some workouts. Um, you know, I think the, the bigger question as you look down the roster, MJ Rice, Ernest Uday, uh, those guys are, are, are really interesting for, for freshmen that I think could be guys for down the road. Obviously not ready now, but definitely guys that you look at and think, man, could they be something? K.J. Adams has really helped himself. Dewan is going to be a different conversation just because of his size. Very tough um, with just his body type um, at the next level, but you got to take into consideration he's a terrific passer. He impacts winning. He's tough defense. He's got all these other traits that it's going to be tough to write him off because you just don't want to write off a kid that's already proven himself time and time again going from high school to college, you, you want to kind of keep him in the back of your mind, but you know, he's, he's got to be a threat offensively. He's got to make shots, all these things we know about, about uh, Dewan. but you know, they're, they're an interesting roster because they definitely have two guys that are, I think, bona fide first rounders, um, very similar to Ochai Baji and Christian Brown last year, right? Two first round guys. Um, I think Kansas is going to have those guys again. What I love most about this Kansas team, it was very similar to Christian Brown and Ochai Baji. Jalen Wilson um, and Grady Dick, they're not worried about anything pertaining to the draft. They're worried about winning games. They're worried about playing for Kansas and that name on the front of the jersey. They're worried about getting back to a Final Four and to a national championship and ultimately repeating. That is top of mind. That's what you want in guys. You want guys that are bought in and not worried about anything else, and you're getting that from an older veteran player, and you're getting that from a true freshman. That was a McDonald's All-American. That isn't. That is about all the right things. That's why Kansas is where they're at. Okay, what about Kansas State? How many uh, NBA talents does Jerome Tang have on that roster? I think with Kansas State, the first guy is going to be Keontae Johnson. And, um, you know, so much was made of Keontae in, in terms of the situation he went through medically. That was a much, very much a scare. Uh, it was more important than basketball, what, just Keontae and his health, um, living a quality life. And Keontae got cleared. Uh, left Florida and, you know, really bet on himself, honestly, to, to want to play – you know, play basketball. That that was his focus. He he want, he loved it. He wanted to play. He knew the risks that he was taking. He went through every medical process possible in terms of making sure that he was cleared to play, and he was cleared. And, you know, for him to have the season, he's had to transfer, number one, to go to Kansas State, first-year head coach in Jerome Tang, you know, completely different than, than Coach White, uh, Mike White that he had at Florida, who's now at Georgia. Keontae, to come in this season and have the year he, he's had where he shot – over 50% from the field. He shot 40% from three, um, you know, 73 at the line, probably could be a little better at the line, but to average 17 and seven um, is really impressive. Uh, you know, he's got to cut down the turnovers a little bit. Um, you know, I think in terms of he's got to do things that, that he's, you know, has to do to help Kansas State win, things that probably he won't be asked to do at the next level. If you look at Keontae with just his positional size, you know, he's six six. he's very strong, the best thing about Keontae um, is he is a grown man. Uh, he is he is tough mentally and physically. We know that uh, he is a high IQ player, and that's what you love most about him. He understands the game. Um, he's great off the dribble, straight line, embracing physicality. He struggles probably score over the top of length. That's probably a little bit of a concern. And so much was made of defense. You know, he's got to be able to defend. Um, if he's going to be a six six three, is he a four? There was a question about his position. Um, but man, is he, is he just a, a tough, tough kid that has, has been a great story and he's had such a great year for Kansas state and it's why they've been so successful. So Keontae's the first guy you're going to talk about. Naquan Tomlin would be second for me. Um, Naquan is, uh, a guy that is 6'10", late developer, late bloomer, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
had to go the JUCO route. Uh, he's from New York, has kind of that New York, Brooklyn toughness to him. Um, very coachable, highly skilled uh, in terms of 6'10". There's a lot of things, I think, in-game that he's been inconsistent with. But, you know, you, if you watch, you know, practice or, or you've, you've talked to coaches, you know, it's very clear that he's got some some serious ball skills for 6'10". And he can shoot the ball. You know, he can be a little inconsistent, a little streaky. I think he's 24, 25% from three. So not not the number you want, but... You know, he's, he's again, a, a developmental prospect right now. Um, and we'll see what happens with, you know, putting his name in and getting feedback and what he's going to do. Um, is he ready? That's always going to be a conversation. But he's had a great year. Um, so Super long. Defensive versatility is always a big conversation. He can switch out guard one through five, uh, sit in a stance and slide laterally. His verticality speaks for itself. He's above the rim finisher, dunker. Um, all those things jump out. There's just so many traits to to his frame and to his tools that really making him make him intriguing. And then I do want to give Marquise Noel a lot of credit uh, of just the season he's had. Older player, um, averaging 17 and, and and seven and a half assists per game. Like that's really impressive for an undersized point guard. Um, shooting 35 from three. Uh, he's been a little in, inconsistent in terms of play finishing. I think that's the biggest thing is his size. It's always going to jump out. Same thing with Dewan. Uh, Dewan and Marquise are very different in terms of just Dewan's a little bit taller, but Dewan lacks some some strength and some girth. Um, with Marquise, uh, he's very he's undersized and and, and probably lacks um, you know a little bit of, of of length and explosiveness. But he's very quick. He's got great speed, um, but not the the length and the height probably of Dewan. But can shoot it and has shown range and shown his ability to play in pick and roll. Defensively, when he gets picked on, picked on or isolated, he does a pretty good job of using his hands. He's great with steals. Um, he's had two and a half steals per game. That's always been consistent with Marquise. Uh, the year he had to have this year was the year he's having, and that speaks to the kid. I don't know if he's going to be on an NBA floor, but I know that teams are going to look at him and think, man, his production speaks for itself. He'll probably get some workouts. Could he be in a G League conversation and maybe play his way on you know, to a roster and be like a J.J. Barea? J.J. Barea was great in terms of an undersized point guard under six feet that figured it out. And, and you know, T.J. McConnell, same type of player that figured it out and small, undersized, not that strong, but impact winning in their role and embrace the role and know what it means to, to play a point guard position off the bench that's something that, you know, remains to be seen um, because it's all about opportunity when it's all said and done. All right, so what about Mizzou? I think the first guy that, that and he's he's clearly going to be uh, SEC all-first team is Kobe Brown. There's some other uh, intriguing talents, but Kobe Brown's a headliner, and I think there's been a good discussion of whether or not he's an NBA guy. John Sunvold has said when broadcasting games, he thinks he is. He does all these things. He does so many things well, and he's dramatically improved as an outside shooter uh, is there a spot for him in the NBA? Yeah, I, I mean, I think Kobe is, um, you know, he's again one of those guys that's an older player that um, went back to school, uh, has improved every year. It's been kind of small baby steps, you know, through his freshman, sophomore year, had a coaching change, obviously, going from Conzo Martin to Dennis Gates. Um, you know, you look at his improvements strictly as a shooter. I think that's been the biggest thing is he's shooting close to 50%. I think he's 48% from three. Um, you know, his, his shot has come a long way that had to translate because, you know, he plays the five a lot. They, they try to work him in to play the four at times, uh, when they go to Modiara at the five and, and that's good for Kobe cause he's got to show some things at the four. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of EJ Liddell who, uh, we got out of Ohio state and, um, you know, a guy that had to play the five a lot early on in his career at Ohio state tr- transition positions, and played the four a lot, um, showed his ability to shoot the ball. 
Um, now the difference between EJ and, and Kobe, a um, little bit different in terms of athleticism. Kobe's very strong and physical, can play through contact. Um, he is a he's a good athlete. Um, the thing with EJ is his verticality really jumped out. He was a terrific shot blocker. He's like an undersized four or five, uh, and really impacted the game on defense. Got better on the perimeter. Kobe's got to show he can sit down and guard in space, and he's not a five at the next level. He's a four. So he's, there's so many things that um, you know he's he has proven, but still has to keep keep showing as the year goes on. That's doing that, you know, the rest of the season, but also doing it if he gets a combine invite, team workouts. He's got to shoot it well. Uh, he's got to show he can guard in space. But I think his ability to, to finish, play through contact, he's, he's also a high IQ player, and he fits all these intangible traits you look for in a guy that makes it, that accepts a role. You know, IQ piece for one, mental toughness, embracing who he is, uh, good teammate, good culture piece, all those things. He checks every box. He's going to you know, interview very well. So I think Kobe, of all the guys on Missouri's roster, and especially in the SEC, Kobe's helped himself tremendously. I'm not I'm not real sure who else you would consider an NBA prospect. I think maybe some people thought Isaiah Mosley. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly he's talented, but I don't know what the uncertainty of his uh, of this year has done. For his prospects, you could tell me what you think of him as a prospect. And also, uh, I, I know that people have asked about Aiden Shaw, even though he's not playing a lot right now. He's obviously got size, tremendous athleticism, and maybe a couple of years uh, with the Mizzou strength and conditioning program, put some weight on him. Uh, maybe he could end up, he's, he seems like he's a very high upside player. But anyone else on the Mizzou roster besides Kobe Brown that might have a chance? Yeah, I mean, Isaiah Mosley, let's start there. Uh, when Missouri signed him, he was one of the more talented scorers uh, in the transfer portal. And the, the year he had at Missouri State, you know, it was historic, truly. Uh, and just his splits, which, you know, were tremendous 50, 40, 90 guy. It's tough to find, especially with the usage that Isaiah had. Um, you know, he's terrific off the dribble. His shot, a b- little bit unorthodox, probably needs to speed it up. Uh, and that, that's a big thing with shooters um, making the transition from college to the NBA. You just don't have the load-up time, and you have to have your shot be able to get – you have to be able to get your shot off at the next level against, you know, elite athletes and elite athleticism, you know, and, and that, that to me sometimes can, can hinder. And, oh, by the way, you're going from the college three-point line to the NBA three-point line, so it's a little different. Um, with Isaiah – you know, I, his size, positional size is there, and he's a, he's a true combo. Like, he can play the point and he can play the two. Um, he can pass. I think sometimes he gets very fixated on scoring, which he can score. He's a three-level scorer. He's great off the dribble. He's great from the mid-range. He can shoot threes. He can get to the rim. He can play through contact. He can get to the free throw line. He does all these things with the ball. He's so skilled, and his ability to create separation is real, which I think any any prospect, especially if you're a combo you got to be able to create separation off the dribble. You know, you, you ha- and, and he can make tough shots, but his ability to create space uh, and be able to play pick and roll and see things is very good. Now, he can be turnover prone. He, he can try to make too many home run plays and not make the simple play. And understanding time score situation has been kind of a back, back, uh, back heel for him in terms of what he was at Missouri State. Defensively was the biggest question for Isaiah. He hasn't really been able to show that. He's had some games where he's looked good defensively. He's had some games where he's looked pretty bad. Um, so, and again, he just hasn't had a year where he's been able to be on the floor enough. I think it's a, it's a big problem. Aiden Shaw, you know, Mizzou fans are going to be like, well, Trevon Brazil, Aiden Shaw, they're very similar. Yes and no. Um, Aiden Shaw is an exceptional athlete, just like Trevon Brazil was. Aiden is super bouncy, long, um, athletic, you know, he's going to be a back cutter, right? He's going to be three cut, cut from the three point line, go to the rim, look for a lot of dunks. And at the end of the day, last year, 
Trevon Brazil as a freshman really started to show some things at the end of the year. Some of that is just opportunity, right? Um, it's a different team, different roster. Trevon Brazil was able to show he could rebound. He could put the ball on the floor a little bit. He showed he could shoot the ball a little bit in the mid-range, but had some skill around the rim that, again, he was a developmental prospect, but there were tools there that you were starting to see come together. Conzo Martin deserves some credit because he let him go and let him play, and, and look, Trevon took that experience and reps, and all of a sudden, by the end of the year, he was putting some serious games together in terms of rebounding the ball consistently, finishing plays, and not just dunks. Being able to do some things around the rim, we thought, I can see it. And he's a late, he's a developmental play. He's going to get stronger. It's unfortunate with Trevon with the, the ACL because I think he would have been a serious conversation for even a first-round talent. He's still going to be in the conversation even with the ACL just because of how good he was at the end of the year, how good he was over the summer, at the beginning of the year. He was going to be a big piece for out for, for Arkansas Aiden Shaw is different because Aiden, you know, there has to be some consistency there. And although Aiden is a very much a developmental play, there's a lot of things about his tools that you think he could be something. There's still a conversation about development, you know, developing your jump shot, developing your ball handling, developing your ability to put the ball on the floor, make decisions, IQ, thinking the game, being in the right spots. Defensively, he could be such an impact in terms of a switchable defender, a great rebounder, and with his length and his ability to shoot gaps, he's very quick twitch. He should be able to get his hands on more balls, get more deflections, get more steals. You're not really seeing that, and that's okay. He's a freshman. He, he's getting used to college basketball. It's a different speed. It's totally different than what he was just seeing in high school. He's got to stay the course, and he, you know, he's got to understand who he is. There's got to be a self-awareness there. Some guys run from that. There's a self-awareness that needs to be had, and, and most players that have that self-awareness, Jalen Wilson, Kobe Brown, two perfect examples, two totally different players than when they were freshmen, and they're, they've helped themselves out tremendously. So Aiden Shaw's just got to stay the course. The other guy I would add to, Stephen, Des Moines Hodge. I really think it's okay. interesting with Des Moines because although he's not that strong, he makes threes, catch and shoot, extended range. Um, he's been pretty consistent for the most part, defensively, he's got some of the quickest hands in the SEC in terms of his steal rate. Like, on the ball, he can be so disruptive. Off the ball, I think he's he's pretty solid for the most part. Now, look, physicality, frame, does that translate? That's a conversation. But, my gosh, his ability to shoot the ball in catch-and-shoot situations, could he potentially – you know, be a guy that's in a G League name that all of a sudden you look up and look, Drew, Drew Smith, you know, former Missouri Tiger, got a chance to be on the Miami Heat, worked his way up. I think Des Moines Hodge, very similar to Cassius Robertson, you know, very much catch and shoot player, but, and Cassius had way more off the dribble than Des Moines, but Des Moines can get to the rim when he makes his mind up to it. He can struggle to finish. But in terms of just three and D guy, you know, Des Moines, what, six, four, six, five, somewhere in there. Um, leaner frame, but man, he he's um, he's intriguing to me. Not going to be a guy probably that's going to be a draftable guy, but someone that I think is has really caught the eye of some people for sure. All right, uh, not normally one of the three local schools that we talk about all the time, but uh, Creighton's got a lot of talent, and so yep. uh, tell us about what they got up there in Omaha as far as NBA talent. Yeah, so the first guy I would talk about is Baylor Shireman, uh, the transfer uh, that they got um, this summer and. Guy that went through the draft process as well last year. Um, you know, guy that's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, uh, that is one of the smartest players in college, I would say, in terms of just natural basketball IQ and natural feel, um, incredible passer, 
has to change his role from being a true point guard to being an off-ball guard. Um, he's played more of the two, more of the three, really. Trey Alexander's kind of been the two, so he's been more of a three. So he's played three positions pr- practically. Athleticism is going to be the conversation with him. Can he guard at the next level? Uh, that's going to be a conversation for many guys. It's very tough to you know, be trusted on the floor um, in terms of being a defender, but legit size, um, bright, bright kid, great person. We had a chance to interview him last year because he went through the process and you know, there's so much to like about him because he just knows who he is. And I, I think there's he's a great teammate. He's a winner. Uh, he's a great leader. Uh, I think it's very difficult to transfer up a level to the Big East and be around a bunch of guys that were returners that were on an NCAA tournament team the year prior. And he's got to come in, and so much was made of him in the portal uh, because there were so many teams after him. He's from Nebraska. He goes to Creighton. There could have That could have been a tough, tough situation. And he's been smooth in terms of being able to – you know, fit, I think, what Creighton was trying to do. But that's a guy that, you know, he shot 47% from three the year prior. He's shooting 37% this year, so 10% down. But I still think he's a very, very good shooter. And I think some of that just is how they they play him and the shots that he has to take, late clock shots. Um, He's had to take some tough ones and some bad ones leading to to that number. Great rebounder, terrific rebounder, um, just knows who he is, doesn't force, doesn't take bad shots. He's a guy that um, I think is going to be talked about a lot, and I, I think he could possibly, possibly sneak his way into the second round. But we'll see um, just how his pro- draft process goes. Workouts are going to be really important. Him showing he can translate to the three-point line, I think he will be able to do because he's hit some deep threes this year. Um, so he's a guy that I would definitely put in the conversation. Uh, Arthur Kaluma was a name going into this year that I think was a hot target um, in terms of Going into the season, knowing he was going to be a name, he had a great NCAA tournament the year before. This is where that NCAA tournament conversation comes into play, where he returned, he had a great tournament, and he was having a really good, strong end to his season the year prior. This, I mean, he's a 6'7", switchable 3'4", so he can play multiple positions. Uh, he has not had a consistent year. He probably hasn't taken the step forward that you would want him to take. Very, you know, very similar to last year where he was around, you know, 26 to 30% from three um, and really hasn't finished it uh, the way you would want to around the rim. He's, he's struggled uh, to be consistent. And, you know, that's the biggest thing. I mean, he's, he's got the frame. He's got the, the athleticism. Um, there is a, a thought to him in terms of, you know, could he be a rotational wing even and be a kind of a 3-4 hybrid where you can play him in different lineups but you got to be consistent. He's just, just he's he struggled. There's there's no question about it. But um, definitely a name to be be talked about. There's some some other names. Um, Ryan Kalkbrenner and Trey Alexander are having great years. I think they've really led the charge for Creighton. Um, Kalkbrenner kind of looks like Brooke Lopez, to be honest with you. He's a big, big you know, big five, but can't stretch it. Although his shot doesn't look broken by any means. Um, but he's a huge, huge piece to their success. He's a 15 and seven guy. Uh, is averaging two and a half blocks per game, so he's he's shown good rim protection. That was bi- a big area that he really needed to show was that he could play the five and block shots, and he's doing that. Not a great athlete, not a bad athlete either. Um, so definitely someone to keep in the back of your mind. And then I'm really curious about Trey Alexander, who has gotten significantly better uh, with his jump shot, shooting 42% from three was a big part of his game. Uh, being able to show he could shoot the ball, uh, he is a more of a combo, probably more two than one. Can play the point if you need him to. Um, exceptional defender he is a stopper great defender he has high motor he's a dog on the defensive side of the ball I love that about him he's a little undersized for two but man he can guard and that that's a big testament to just him you know 
fulfilling his position and doing what needs to be done to help his team win. The shooting piece has come a long way. He's shooting it more more fluidly. Um, finishing probably needs to keep, continue to get better, but um, definitely a guy that I would I would circle uh, in terms of being be, watch for him and see how his process goes this spring. Right, speaking of watching for players, it's interesting. I'm looking at, at, at uh, one of the many mock drafts I've been uh, following, and the top two consensus picks are guys that we're not seeing in college basketball right now. Yeah, one of them a uh, a seven foot four French center by the name of Victor Wembanyama. Wembanyama, and it's, he he averages twenty one point nine points, nine point six rebounds, and three point two blocks per game, which all lead the French uh, league. And he's shooting 47% from the field, 81% from the foul line, gets up over five three-point attempts per game, many of which are self-created opportunities off the bounce. And looking at the athletic in their mock draft, he has a real case, they say, to be the best prospect since LeBron James, given his size, shot creation skill, tools on defense, and production against seven foot four. And then the number two guy that everyone has is number two, Scoot Henderson, a 6'2 lead guard, 19 years old at the G League Ignite. And so two 19-year-olds at top of the draft, uh, and they compare Scoot Henderson to John Moran or Derrick Rose, and he would have been, they say, the number one overall pick in both 2022 and the 2020 NBA drafts. So here's here's these two guys that, like, the average college basketball fan they don't see him. They don't know who they are, but they could very likely be the top two picks in the draft. How good are these two prospects? Yeah, and, and I would say, too, like overtime elites taken off with Usser Thompson and Amen Thompson. Those are other guys that are probably going to be in the conversation. So it's funny that, like, yes, there are multiple guys that, that are going to be in this lottery conversation that probably most basketball fans haven't seen. But I got to see uh, Victor Wimbanyama at the beginning of the year. So it started my year in Vegas, saw him in November, uh, and saw him play against Scoot Henderson. And every team was there. It was an incredible experience. I'll never forget it just because it's just really rare to go out at the beginning of the year. You, I, mean, I mean, I was just starting college practices, so you're kind of easing your way back into the season. Uh, we just had fall meetings, and, and all of a sudden, you know, G, the G League Ignite say, hey, we're, we're bringing the Metropolitan's 92, his team, Victor's team. Right. We're bringing them to the States, and they're going to play here in Vegas, and they're going to do kind of like a couple practices and a couple games. And so every, everybody's schedules changed pretty quickly and you know every team was was out in Vegas. Every you know it was it was really just it was pretty unique to be at a game like that. Um, and it was a packed house. And I, I, I going into that game, it was scoot against Victor, and you're thinking, man, there's a ton of expectation on. Like there's a ton of hype. I don't think I mean, the the I guess the numbers probably would say or the thought would be they're not going to live up to this. Like one game, two games, they exceeded it. It was unbelievable oh, really? watching these two guys. Uh, Victor was special. Um, the shot making, his size, like Chet Holmgren, so much was made of him coming out. Victor moves completely differently than Chet, and he's bigger too. I mean, he's seven four and he's long, and his ball skills for his size. I mean, he doesn't play around the rim really. He can't he have some more mass too. I mean, seven four is hard. He's seven he four. I, I mean, he's he's had some. He's had more probably injury concerns than Chet did um, going into the year. But with Chet, there was there was very, very much different concerns. I think Victor body type. He moves a little bit differently in terms of how he's going to play at the next level. Um, I do think he's slightly a little bit stronger, which isn't saying much because I don't think it's a lot. Um, I think Victor's got a chance to add maybe a little bit more strength. But in terms of just translating to his position, he could be a wing. He could play the four. He could be a two. I mean, 
for 7-4, his skill set is off the charts. And his ability to block shots, not just at the rim, but in space, defensively, he's just got a tremendous understanding of the game. And, like, some of the shots he makes, the the Dirk one-footers, it's unguardable. I mean, it really is. I don't know how you guard it. It's it's amazing to watch. He's still doing it. He hasn't shut himself down, which the rumor after Vegas was, well, he's not. He's only going to play, like, three or four games, and he's played all season. That speaks to the competitor. It speaks to he wants to play. He's not worried about getting hurt. But he's for, is he for sure the number one? I, I think so. I mean, I, yeah. I think he is a transformational talent. I think he's a guy that, you know, is very rare, that doesn't come around often. Um, are there concerns in specific areas of his game? Yeah. Every prospect has concerns. LeBron James had concerns coming out. There's always strengths and weaknesses to every player. Um, with Scoot, I think he's got a chance to be a franchise pillar point guard. Scoot is off the charts. I loved him last year. He, was, he wasn't eligible for the draft. Uh, he had to go back to the G League Ignite. Um, you know, we drafted Dyson Daniels out of the G League Ignite last year, so got to see the G League team a lot. I've seen him once this year. I'll see him again this month, actually. But um, the thing about Scoot, I mean, he's such a lead point guard. Uh, he makes everybody better. His passing ability, his vision, his playmaking, his burst, explosiveness, quick twitch, uh, ball handling, ability to get to, to mid-range, ability to get to the rim, finish through contact. Three-point shooting has gotten better, still needs to keep getting better. Um, but man, I mean, it, I, I think it's, it's very similar to Donovan Mitchell, uh, when he was coming out, like I think scoot, not as, not as big as Donovan, but man, I mean, just has that unique ability to score the ball at all three levels, but his passing playmaking, he's going to make an NBA team so much better. Um, he is a true point guard, point guard and center are probably the two toughest positions to really identify. And they're two core pieces, pillars of any franchise, having a great point guard, having rim protection and a center. Wing play, you know, you got to have star talent at the wing. You got, you know, you got to have those those players. You you can identify those. Those come around a little bit more often. Having a actual true point guard that can change the game because a point the point guard position is so important at the next level. You have to have a dynamic point guard that can do it all. And Scoot can do that. Victor Wembanyama, the same conversation. I don't want. I don't really see him as a five. I, I think he is going to play the five. Um, you know, Evan Mobley would probably be the the name that. Gets comp to him too. Evan Mobley's had a tremendous rookie season, and um, excuse me, second year in terms of his ability to impact the game. He's a franchise piece for Cleveland. Victor is very similar, but has way more to his game uh, offensively that makes him just such a unique, unique hybrid unicorn type talent up at the top of the draft. So, I mean, are you so you're for sure Victor? You take him over Scoot? Yeah, but I mean. I think if you were to ask me in November, after those two competed against each other, I mean, it's Victor's upside, size, talent level, franchise-changing ability, knowing how young he is and how much better he's probably going to get to, you just you can't overlook that. Scoot is in the same conversation, although he's, he's more of a little bit of an undersized point guard, but like in any other draft... Scoot easily could be the number one overall pick. It just happens to be this. And and Scoot, you know, he knew what was going on with this game, you know, back in November when they were competing against each other. Number one conversation was going to be talked about. And I loved his confidence. He's like, I'm I'm competing for the number one overall pick too. Like there, there was no bat and eyelash. And man, did he come out guns blazing in that game. I mean, he was a he was a dog. I mean, he competed the entire it was impressive to watch. And the G League Ignite, by the way, these games are not like the atmospheres you see in college basketball, right? I mean, it's a little bit different. It's more, um, you know, people in Las Vegas that are just like trying to have a night and go to go to watch these guys play. There's not much of a 
serious, you know, atmosphere going on there. But the talent level on the floor, I mean, shoot, Metropolitan's 92 had multiple college players that were on his team. And you're thinking, you know, G League Ignite has a lot of these young up-and-comers. Guys are going to be in the draft. Mojave King's going to be in the draft. Leonard Miller's going to be in the draft. City Sissoko is going to be in the draft. These are all young guys. They are playing at such a high level. And it just goes to show you the talent level that's around the world, not just the country, but the world. Guys that are coming from overseas to play in the States. And you think, man, these guys are, are just different and unique. And it, it makes this class so much fun to follow. I want to remind you that the House of Hustle brought to you by our friends at Charlie Hustle, charliehustle.com. And if you use the code House of Hustle at checkout, You'll get 15% off the Collegiate Collection. Anything in the Collegiate Collection, 15% off by using the code House of Hustle when you check out at charliehustle.com. Okay, before we wrap things up, a uh, different question because uh, obviously we're going to talk about talented players, but just because you're the best player in the conference doesn't mean you're going to be an NBA star. But right now, if I forced you to cast a vote for Big 12 and SEC Players of the Year, who would they be? I think for from Big 12 standpoint, I do believe Jalen Wilson is the player of the year. I think he's been that good. I think Adam Flagler from Baylor is a guy that's probably not getting a lot of the conversation, but a big reason why Baylor is what they are. Um, Keontae drives it. Keontae George, who I, I think has had a, a great year for a freshman. But I think Baylor, what makes them go is Adam Flagler. Um, I think he is the most valuable player on that Baylor team, and they got great guard play. But I think Adam really carries the torch for that Baylor team. I think he's gotten better defensively. He's gotten better as a passer. He, the numbers speak for themselves. He would be in the conversation, too. Um, you know, I, I, but, but in terms of just like those teams at the top, like Texas with Marcus Carr, Marcus has had a great year. So there's guy, Keontae Johnson, great, great season. I mean, he's going to be up there. But Jalen Wilson, just I think he's had that good of a season for the most part throughout the year. He's had a couple games where he's had little blips on the radar, but he would be the conversation. On the SEC side, for me, um, and it's a freshman, but I, I just think he's been that good, and I think he's been that dominant, and I think he's why Alabama is where they are. And Alabama's a good team, so it, it can't be overlooked that Alabama as a team has so much depth, and they have so much you know talent and size and athleticism. But Brandon Miller, to me, for a freshman, is the player of the year. And they have him at number three yeah. in this mock draft, 6'9", uh, wing, 20 years old, um, and he's – the write-up considered the safest guy in the rest of the class after those first two players uh, that we talked about, Scoot and Victor, um, because he's been so productive and efficient for Alabama. He's a very safe pick. Still has a tremendous upside, but they have Brandon Miller, the number three overall pick in the draft in this mock draft. Yeah, he's elite skill-wise and shooting-wise for his I mean, 6'9 shooter, and he's very different than Grady Dick because um, he can make threes, extended threes. His ability to put the ball on the floor, self-shot creation is is so good. <laughs> I mean, he's so long, and and really, like, it comes effortlessly to him. Um, his two-point percentage is so high. I think it's up to, like, 65%, 64%. I mean, he is such a great finisher. Um, he can make shots off the drill. He's a three-level scorer. Um, I love how he competes. He plays with an edge. Um, this is a kid I saw in high school several times, and, you know, to see him in high school, played the four. Like, he was a four-man. No a real holes in his game. No, not at all. Um, he's got to get stronger. I mean, from a body standpoint, yeah. I mean, physicality. Uh, he kind of looks like Trey Murphy, who we have. Um, not to comp him to Trey, but, you know, he's, he's got to get a little stronger. Um, and But I, I just think from a, from a talent standpoint, everything that his game displays translates. Everything, you know, from the shot making, the ball handling. Um, I think he's an underrated passer. I think he can pass. I think it's an area of his game that probably he could show a little bit more of, but – 
he's a scorer. And in terms of being a two, three that can create shots and make threes and I think defend his position fairly well, he's a he's a surest fire pick, and that's why he's up there at the top. All right, so there's a nice companion piece as we get closer to the Big 12 and the SEC tournaments and the NCAA tournament uh, about who are some of the best NBA prospects at KU, K-State, Mizzou, Creighton, and uh, we threw in their candidates for the SEC and Big 12 Players of the Year. And also, a couple of guys are going to go number one and two in the draft that you aren't seeing because they're not playing college basketball, Jared Sutton. But very exciting times. The next time we'll be doing a podcast will be in March. Yep. Uh, probably getting ready for the conference tournaments. I can't wait. Gosh, I mean, just thinking of the, the NCAA tournament and selection Sunday, we're getting ready for conference tournaments. That's com- that's around the corner. Seating for that is still, you know, TBD on the S- on the SEC Big 12 tournaments. Do you know where and, you're going to be? What your assignments uh, are for March? I will be in Las Vegas. I will be uh, Pac-12, Mountain West, WCC. Um, WCC, by the way, good tournament. Um, there's, you know, Gonzaga, there's, there's Pepperdine, Santa Clara. There's, there's some teams I really want to see out West that, that have talent. Um, Mountain West is always a solid tournament as well. Um, so I'll be out there for shoot, probably 10 days. I mean, it's a long time, a long, long oh, trip boy. in Las Vegas. <laughs> 10 days and you're, days. Uh, you're, you're kind of worn out by the end of it. But, that's uh, a no for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, It's uh, Look, it's if exhausting. I get to do 10 hours in Vegas, you yeah. get 10 days. Yeah, but it's a two-day max for me, too, where I'm ready to rock. But, but. you're but you're like, there's basketball on top yeah. of basketball yeah, yeah. on top of basketball. I'm, I mean, there. for when Pac-12 hits, I'm in the gym all day. Um, WCC, it's, it's more, you know, there's a couple games – um, they're more in the evening time, but once Pac-12 and Mountain West hit, I mean, it's full days in, in gyms and you're uh, driving all over the place, just trying to get to, you know, different venues at T-Mobile, there's games for Pac-12 and then you're trying to get over to Thomas and Mac and, and, you know, you, but, but it, what's, you must really hate this as much as you love basketball. <laughs> I, I love it. I yeah, mean, it's, let me it's play great. The violin. I'm just driving around Vegas all day watching basketball from a, games. From a scouting standpoint, right. too, you get to check so many boxes to see as many guys as you can, which makes conference. It's like in November when you get all these tournament, you know, those those uh, preseason or, you know, the holiday tournament games. Right. You can see a lot of guys. So that'll be fun. And then, boom, it's Selection Sunday. We've had eight teams at the number one line. We're already seeing adjustments with the one seeds, um, you know, with Kansas going from a two to a one after their big winging against Baylor. I just think there's still more to, to come from this. Purdue – is you know are they a one are they not a one you know they're atop the Big Ten the Big Ten's got nine teams in Lenardi's projection which is is wild I, I wouldn't have said that probably back in December that the Big Ten would have nine teams so it's gonna be really interesting with the selection committee of, of how they really identify this this and, and the play-in games you know that first the, those last four in that's gonna be so fun in Dayton to see those games as well so it's gonna be a blast all right uh, that's Jared Sutton I'm Stephen St. John. Thank you to our friends at Charlie Hustle. And don't forget, use that code, House of Hustle, when you go to charliehustle.com and you get 50% off anything out of their collegiate collection. Get you geared up for March Madness. We're the latest best stuff from Charlie Hustle. No matter what team you root for in that collegiate collection, 15% off. That's all Jared Sutton wears if he's going as a fan. Right. He loves Charlie Hustle. Get your Hustle. gear. Get your That's gear. That's right. Use the code House of Hustle when you check out at charliehustle.com until. Uh, until March Madness, we'll have our March Madness special episodes. I'm Stephen St. John. That's Jared Sutton. This has been the House of Hustle. We'll be back at you in March. <laughs>